when I was in college, my brother, my hall, and my sister hall, brother sister halls, were gonna have a worship night, and I was asked to do the devotional time, which is fine. I'm all for it. So it was a nice night. You know, we had this band put together of students from both sides, um, and I did this lesson. I think it was on Matthew chapter six, talking about. Um, where your treasure is there, your heart will be also, you know, talking about priorities. Cause if you've ever been in college, you know that sometimes you can really have your priorities all messed up. And so I'm teaching on this lesson and it's going great. Other than the fact that right in the front row, smack dab in the middle, like seriously within arm's reach of me is this girl from my sister hall who is so pretty. And all I could think about was what is she thinking about me this whole time? Welcome to my seminary life. That was a story I forgot to share during the last go around as we went through college stories. But now that we're talking about preaching, I thought it would be a nice little story to talk about a time that I completely blew it when I was teaching. I did not. It's not that I didn't care what I was teaching about, but the the whole time, all I can think about was, I wonder what she thinks about me. Like, dude, you're talking about seeking the kingdom of God first. Get you. Get your head out of your butt. Pay attention. Pay attention to what you're talking about for once. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Brandon Knight. This is the show where I talk about the things I'm studying in grad school right now. And I'm in a fancy sounding class called Communication and Ministry, which really means this is a preaching class. Hooray! Last week, we talked about why preaching is important. This week, we're looking at the nuts and bolts of preaching the nuts and bolts of preaching. We're going to talk about the actual mechanics because I think sometimes people believe that this is just like the pastor gets up on Sunday morning and says a thing, just completely wings it. And I'm sure there are plenty of pastors who do that. And that's not really the recommended way to conduct things. When it comes to preaching, there are there there's more than one way to skin a cat. There's there's more than one way to study, to write your notes, to prepare. There's more than one way to do that. For this class, and actually when I took the undergrad version of this class as well, which I think was something like preaching one oh one or something, it had a much more it had a title that made more sense. We were taught well, I think many people would know as like the traditional three-point Baptist sermon. That is the type of a sermon that we are being taught to write here. Nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying that is a bad view or a bad way to preach. I personally believe that a minister should not be tied to any one particular style of preaching. I think for the sake of communication and for the sake of just helping the audience stay engaged. It is good to change up how you preach every once in a while. Um, I think, you know, the big thing that, you know, when you're in a class like this, the big thing that is taught is let the text speak for itself. When you're studying whatever the message that is coming from the text let it speak for itself, and that is what you're supposed to preach. Don't try to cram in some type of an agenda. Just let the text of God speak for itself. I believe 
on top of that, that we should let the text communicate for itself. That sometimes a text of scripture, it, it's not a three-point sermon. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's only one point. Sometimes it's five. You don't have to always have every point start with the same letter and do some strange alliteration thing. Like you don't, you, you should let the text communicate for itself as well. Don't just get tied down to one specific style of preaching. Now, for this class, I have to be tied down to one very specific style of preaching, but it's fine. Getting a refresher here. That's that's how I feel about this class. I'm just getting a really good refresher on preaching. It's a good thing to do. So, a standard three-point sermon. Typically, you have some form of an introductory story. Typically, of a story of something that has never happened to anybody ever. That's a Baptist joke, and also I stole that from John Mulaney. Some type of story to get people engaged and to introduce some form of a topic. Introduce some form of topic. Usually then you have you have some type of relevancy. We're making this relevant towards the audience. This is why we need to talk about this thing. Moving into the introduction of the biblical passage and the homiletical idea. So the homiletical idea, homiletics is the studying to preach. The homiletical idea is the biblical truth presented by the author of Scripture to its original audience. Now that's important because sometimes we have to to steal a phrase from uh, a different book, Grasping God's Word. Sometimes we have to cross the principalizing bridge, meaning that there are times where the truth of God's Word remains true, but how we apply that and how we use that for a modern-day audience, we have to contextualize it into a, a modern context. So the homiletical idea may be different to some degree to the big idea. So the homiletical idea is James is encouraging his audience to seek wisdom from God or something like that. And then you would move into the big idea. You could think of it as a thesis statement. This is usually the guiding thought that guides the rest of the sermon and the rest of the posts or rest of the points rather. And this is the, the if you want if you want your the congregation to walk away with anything, you want to make sure that they get this big idea, that they get the main point. This needs to be stated in modern language, often short. I've heard some pastors er, and some homiletical people call it a sticky line. You want it to be memorable, so make it sticky. Do with you may with that type of phraseology. From there, then you introduce your points. Point A needs to go back to the big idea, needs to go back to the homiletical idea. Typically somewhere in there, a question is proposed. That's usually the in the relevant part of like, why does this matter to me? Why does this matter to James or any of the other biblical writers? Point A, you exegete the text talking about what it meant to the original context and to the, the uh, original audience. You illustrate it, another witty story or 
quote or whatever statistic don't use statistics i just talked to a friend yesterday who told me just outright if you use statistics i just blank i just zone out the whole time so don't use statistics but that is an option and then you applicate it apply it so point a exegete illustrate apply usually it helps then to reiterate and restate so reiterate your big idea reiterate or restate point a and then introduce point b and you rinse and repeat you exegete illustrate apply and rinse and repeat you restate the big idea go back over point a go back over point b move into point c and again exegete illustrate apply and then one big review at the end of the big idea and the three points with a then moving into a concluding thought concluding action steps from all of the little application points you've had so far and then usually there's some type of final call to action and this final call to action and if you're a pastor listening to this let me just remind everybody that when you say and we're about ready to end you better be actually about ready to end don't be that guy who is constantly saying and in conclusion, and in conclusion, and in conclusion, if you're going to conclude, say it once, and then bring the plane in for a landing. Usually there's a final call to action at the very, not a call to action, but like this final concluding statement at the very end, and it needs to be a statement. It needs to be a one last charge call to move forward if, if the body of Christ applied these principles, then XYZ can occur. If the kingdom of God looked more like what Jesus is calling us to do here in this passage, then XYZ. You need some type of concluding thought like that at the very end. Um, other, I th other traditions would maybe say use more like quotes. Find a really good quote from a preacher that summarizes everything really well. Eileen no matter what my um, style is, I usually lean more towards this one last moving statement before closing in prayer. That is a standard, I believe the word is, deductive sermon. Deductive being that the main point is stated up front at the beginning. There's also another version, and it's called an inductive sermon. And how an inductive sermon works is that it's basically the same other than there at the very beginning. We have the story, we have the relevancy, we have the original context shared, and then we move into this homiletical idea, maybe a question, and then the big idea. Rather than proposing that big idea up front, you stick it in at the end. So you're building to it rather than saying, here's my thesis. And here are my three points to support my thesis. It's more of a, I have a question that I want to answer. Here's three points that kind of answer the question with a concluding thought of this is how we answer the question at the end. One version looks more like a persuasive, or looks a little bit more like a persuasive speech or a standard 
research paper. Here's my thesis statement. Let me support my thoughts. The other one looks a little bit more like you're taking people on a journey and helping them arrive at the conclusion on their own. Because possibly once you introduce all of the information up at the top with the question and then walk through the points, they may be able to arrive at the big idea at the end. And it's more of a aha moment for everybody rather than you're telling them all the information up front. Again, this just depends on style. I find it sometimes difficult to write inductively, so I often go the more deductive route. I work, I'm working on writing more inductively. The small group that my wife and I have, I try to keep it a little bit more inductive in that I don't stay right up front. Okay, this is the point of the passage, but we walk through it together to arrive at the conclusion at the end together. And everyone, it's one of those things where everyone, I don't want to say everyone feels smart at the end of it, but it's because that sounds slightly condescending, but it is true that everyone feel has this moment together of illumination from the Holy Spirit of, oh, hey, this is what we're doing here. Oh, this is what we're talking about. And I got there kind of on my own. This is great because you can. People can arrive at these conclusions on their own. Sometimes, though, it requires a lot of studying to get to that point of aha moments. And that was another big part of the nuts and bolts section of our, of our lectures and our, our textbooks this week is all the different things you should be studying. To summarize, to summarize, a lot of it revolves around studying the original languages. A lot of it revolves around studying the original context. And a lot of it revolves around you as a preacher using your own brain in preparation. I remember when I was in college, one of our professors told us that we are not smart enough to arrive at our own conclusions of anything yet, so we needed to have all of our papers heavily cited. I don't know when technically I get to start formulating my own opinions, but apparently by this point I'm allowed to because there was a very high emphasis on read read it in English, whatever your preferred preaching translation is, make observations, try to draw your own conclusions, then switch, use a more word for or use a more thought for thought. I I like going to the NLT because I think there's a lot of times where I will sample the NLT in my sermons because they just use I just like the language that they use and I can actually visualize it better of what's going on. So I'll go from ESV to NLT. Then you're supposed to get the same thing, you know, make observations, draw conclusions. Then you get into the original languages, make observations, draw conclusions. Then you start moving into historical and uh, historical context. Then you start moving into commentaries. So a lot of it up front, though, is relying on your understanding, the guidance of the Holy Spirit for you to make your own conclusions on the text and then supplement that in with a lot of studying. That's how you that's how you write a sermon. That's how you build it. That is that is the nuts and bolts of how you study 
and then how you get into at least writing two very specific styles of sermons. And I think what's cool about preaching, as we start to wrap up this episode, and now I have to commit to that, I think what's cool about preaching is that whether you're doing it more deductively or if you're doing it more inductively, is that you are shepherding. This is a visual demonstration of shepherding a flock. You know, sometimes I think we think of shepherding as more of the soul care work that a pastor does, visiting in the hospital, doing counseling, which is which is indeed shepherding for sure. But in preaching, what we see is that someone has spent the time and is invested sometimes hours upon hours studying, absorbing these this information, praying over the text of Scripture, prayerfully writing these sermons, and then sitting down, or, or standing before, rather, the congregation and leading them, leading them like a shepherd leads a flock of sheep, leading them through that text of Scripture, either with the point set up right off the bat of, hey, this is where we're going, this is where we're headed, follow me, or I'm going to take you on a journey, and you're going to find out where we're headed at the end. And I think that's so cool. That either way, you have a visual metaphor of shepherding in the art of preaching. You get The pastor gets to say, hey, we're headed to springs of living water here by the end. Let's go. Or, hey, follow me. We'll, let's see where we go. And we end up at Springs of Living Water. And we're so excited because we figured it out as we were headed. I think that is the ideal situation for preaching. Obviously, not every preacher, every pastor, minister, priest, bishop conducts that way. Not everyone is engaging. Not everyone is your type of preacher. But I think the metaphor works. And maybe if we started thinking of our pastors, our priests, our bishops, our ministers, or whoever, as that, as shepherds moving us through a text of scripture to living waters, then maybe our perspective on the time when it, when it is time for the pastor to preach, because remember we talked about last time how apparently there's a lot of people out there who are starting to think that preaching in general is just this unnecessary thing that we don't need in the church anymore. Maybe if we had that mentality instead of the pastor is leading us on a journey to living waters, then maybe, maybe we'll have a, maybe we'll care more about the sermon. Maybe we'll be more invested in the message from God through his servant that Sunday morning. Well, that's all I have for today's episode. Thanks for listening. I appreciate you all coming in week after week to listen to your favorite indie podcast that nobody has ever heard of. Appreciate you all so much. As always, you can head down into the description of this episode to find links for all of the stuff, whether you're looking for the website so you can find all of the episodes or links to other shows that I've been a part of over the years. Year? Years. Year over the past year, other shows that I've been a part of. Uh, there's also the link to the merch store where you can buy t-shirts and hats and beach towels and mugs and pipe glasses with logos and slogans. So feel free to check that out. I'm 
almost constantly running sales because it's just kind of fun to do that type of stuff. Follow the show on social media at on Facebook and Instagram, specifically at My Seminary Life Pod, to stay up to date on information, show clips, links to other shows when I'm hanging out with my friends. You can always contact the show, email seminarylife at gmail.com whenever you have questions, comments, concerns, limericks, poems, whatever it may be. And over on the website, you can find the link to our profile on Anchor, where you can also leave an audio memo. And if you have something to say that you would like said on the show, uh, just say it in the message and we'll play it here on the show sometime. Just behind this episode on the feed is the full kickoff to communication and ministry series talking about why does preaching matter. And I'm working on lining up a guest for next month. I got to do that still, actually. I know what I want to do. I actually have narrowed it down to two people. And I know what I want to do with both of them. I just have to make the ask and see if the first person will say yes. And then if not, we'll go to person two. We'll find out. And I think that's it. Nothing else really on the horizon. I don't think so. There's a big merch drop headed your way the first week of August. I can tell you that much. That I can't say. I think that's it, though. Well, thanks again for listening to today's episode. And as always, keep on studying. Mm-hmm.